2: With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin.
3: Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs.
2: Hey, thanks for joining us here in the Business Locker Room, February 9, 2015. Great to have you on board. The show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business. Beginning today, operating at the intersection of sports and business, it is the Business Locker Room. And I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining us. Good stuff today. and Looking forward to a fantastic show. A couple of guests lined up for today. Tell you more about them in just a few moments. But a quick shout-out to my good buddy, Miles Austin, who is always with us on the X's and O's segment. You may recall last week he was out with the flu And he is still down. He sent me an email today and said, I just can't do it. Got to go to the doctor. Got to find out what's going on and how I can get better. So uh, shout out to Miles. We miss you, Miles. Hope you're getting better, my friend. And uh, the X's and O's segment brought to you, as it always is, by 4D Sales. We'll miss that today, but we'll pick up hopefully next week. Hey, lots of great things going in the locker room, as we've told you in the last couple of weeks. Uh, The eight coaches that we have in the Business Locker Room have begun releasing world-class content on our blog at bizlockerroom.com. I want to encourage you to go on there. John Spence got things started in a big way with a great blog post last Tuesday, and then Thursday it was Jack Malcolm. More this week. Tomorrow, Jeff Shore will release a blog post, and of course, he is the author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. I'm going to tell you about his book in just a few minutes. And then Thursday, Josh Miles we will have his segment out on marketing. So I'm really excited to talk to you about all of those things and get that started. But before we go anywhere today, in fact, uh, right to a great show today, featuring, by the way, Bonnie Marcus, was just introduced to her this past week. I'm excited to talk about her brand new book, The Politics of Promotion. Should be a great show, great topic. Stephen Gaffney, at the bottom of the hour, will talk about communication from his perspective as well. He is the communication guru and one of the coaches here in the biz locker room. But uh, interesting to note that we're trying to encourage people to find us on iTunes, and we've gotten a lot of great response from that. And to do more of that, I want to offer you a brand new business book, absolutely free. You don't, you, We won't charge you anything. No shipping, no handling, no book charges, no nothing. Just send me an email and say, Kelly, I found you on iTunes, and I put a rating and review on the page for you. And we've got instructions on how to do that. Go to Radio and find instructions on how to leave a rating and review. It's really, really simple. BizLockerRadio.com, and uh, you'll find the instructions to do that. But you just go to iTunes, search for Business Locker Room, and we're going to change that name over time, even on iTunes. But search for Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. It'll come up. Leave a ratings and review. Then send me your email and say, hey, I left you a rating and review. Say whatever you want about the show. It's all good. But uh, we'll get you a, a great new business book. One uh, one could be Be Bold and Win the Sale from Jeff Shore. Fantastic book. Uh, from my good friend John Spence, Awesomely Simple, one of the best business books I've ever read. From Jill Conrath, Agile Selling. She's been a guest on the show. She's Superb. And also, David Newman's brand new book, "Do It Marketing." If you don't own that one, and you're in business for yourself or you're a salesperson, that's one you've got to add to your library. But I want to encourage you to do that. Thanks for being a part of Biz Locker Radio. And you can always send me a message. By the way, Kelly at bizlock, business, bizlockerroom.com. They start to run together after a while. Today's show, super, absolutely fantastic show. Excited to have Bonnie Marcus on with us. And if you don't know who she is, You can find her online at womensuccesscoaching.com. Over 20 years of sales and sales management experience, including CEO experience uh, for a service master company, VP of sales at a medical staffing network and a couple of other national companies, and she has held executive positions in Fortune 500 companies. She's she's on top of things. She knows what she's doing, and her book, her brand new book, The Politics of Promotion, how high-achieving women get ahead and stay ahead is going to be must-reading in, uh, in your library as well. The workplace is a highly politicized environment, and key decisions are made there about who gets ahead, who gets the big assignments, who gets the resources they need, and it's not just decided on merit. And we're going to let Bonnie tell us more about that. Bonnie, great to have you in the locker room. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. I, I'm really excited to be on your show. You know, when you talk about your show, Playing to Win and the playbook, that really is so well aligned with, with my book. It, it actually is a playbook on how to um, get ahead in the workplace.
2: It is, and I got an advanced copy, and I, I was really spending a lot of time with it in the past couple of days, reading through it and looking at some of the pieces, parts. I'm going to let you share that with us but uh, your your background is uh, is pretty special as well, and and you've been through this process. The first part of your book uh, shares your story about uh, being a, a, a and I, and you're going to hate this word, and we're going to change this paradigm. <laughs> but you you kind of the victim, if you will. I mean you you yeah you you've been through this is what I'm trying to say. Victim's the wrong word, and you. In fact, I love your book because you try to get people to change that whole idea of being a victim. But you've experienced it, right? You've you've yeah. been through this. You understand what it's like. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well I yes, I I mean I was in the corporate world for over twenty years and um I guess I would substitute victim with I was pretty dumb, you know, I was pretty naive and I really believed that my great performance would get me ahead. And um as many women do especially. And um, I had been with the company for eight years. I started at a pretty low level as a as a regional director and worked my way up to be um, an AVP. And the company had been through a lot of mergers and acquisitions, and uh, I had survived. I did pretty well. But we started to hear rumors about a reorganization, and you know how it starts—kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And then it gets a little louder, and then people are really buzzing about it at the water cooler um It was pretty clear this was going to happen, and finally, we did have this conference call with with the c e o and he said the company was reorganizing um what it meant for me, Kelly, was I was going to have a new boss, and there was now um a position open that was would be a promotion for me to to v p And I really thought, because I was a top performer, I, you know, went on all the trips, won all the awards, uh, that I would be a shoe in for the job. I threw my hat in the ring. I um, worked the politics to some extent in that I had my direct reports um, call my new boss. But in reality, I didn't really understand the way the decisions were going to be made and i didn't build a relationship with with my boss because i really didn't like him and i didn't think very much of him i didn't respect him so i ignored him <laughs> and then i was passed over for the promotion and i was totally blindsided you know i just i thought that i was literally a shoe in for the job because of my performance sure
2: and i suspect you've heard that story from other women and, and other people over and over again. It, it, I, I had to sort of chuckle to myself as I was reading your book. When I came out of school, my whole mindset, Bonnie, was, I'm going to be that guy that doesn't play games I'm not. I can remember saying these words. I'm not going to be a politician. I'm not going to politic. I'm going to get in and I'm going to dig in and do the very best work possible. And they, they'll people will promote me because I'm good at what I do. And it took me many years to figure out that that was so completely backwards. Because ultimately, business is about people, and anytime you have people involved, it, it's it's unforgiving in some circumstances. Certainly, it's uh, it's not without the pitfalls of politics. But let's get on the same page because a lot of people will have a lot of different definitions, I think. Tell me what you mean by politics. What, what is that?
0: that? That has everything to do with relationships and the dynamics that go on in, in the workplace. Using those, understanding what those dynamics are, the reality of your workplace, and I say the good, the bad, the ugly, just understanding all of it and um, being strategic about the way you, you position yourself through relationships. But politics is really nothing more than building relationships and finding those relationships that, um, that will help you advance.
2: My guest is Bonnie Marcus. You're going to want to find her on her website. It is Women. Successcoaching.com. Make sure you follow Bonnie as well at self promote. You know, I, I, when I first heard about the book, first started looking at it, I thought, wow, is this a book about uh, tips and tricks and techniques on how to politic your way through and sort of manipulate and all that? And I'm happy to report that it is nothing like that at all. And I, and I love the way that you've defined politics as. Being aware and cognizant of the power of influence and relationships and those kinds of things. One of the very first stories in your book is actually about gender bias against women by another woman, which I found that to be sort of intriguing as well. You talk about a a woman who was pregnant, and uh, her boss was a woman, and she thought that she wouldn't be as valuable or as available as before her pregnancy, and that's just one of the aspects of, of gender bias that you talk about.
0: Yes, yes. Uh you know gender bias used to be very overt and though it was difficult to deal with at least you kind of knew the, who the enemy was sure and and now it's much more challenging for women to to navigate around because it's hidden and it just it pops up when you least expect it uh so that's what makes navigating the workplace extra challenging for women and that's really why I wrote the book, because I believe very strongly that both men and women need to be savvy about what it takes to get ahead. They need to understand the the dynamics and the politics. But women face special challenges because of the the unconscious bias that still exists in the workplace, as well as some of their own limiting beliefs. Number one, around politics. Number two, around self-promotion. Number three, around, you know, networking. So we bring baggage, and then there's all this other stuff that goes on in the workplace that, that affects our ability to, to advance.
2: Well, there's no question. It, it can be very, very complicated. I have to share a story with you that this happened this morning. So, so appropriate for the show today. I was at a client today, and, and one of the managers was telling me about an individual that works for him, and this individual is female, and he said that his boss had told him many times that he was, it was very irritated that his employee, the female, comes in at 9.30-ish every day instead of, you know, something earlier than that and more acceptable, 8 to 8.30. And the manager who was telling me this said, you know, I told him, well, if you're, if you're going to begin to look at things like that, which which can certainly be reasonable, the challenge is you have another position, a man, who comes in 9, 30, 10 o'clock consistently day after day. And the, the uh, executive above him said, yeah, but I know that he gets his work done. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. went, wow, wow. That, that's interesting because it's it really goes to the core many times of what politics is. We're talking about a relationship issue here. This isn't a gender bias thing. I, I told you the roles just to, that it could be perceived that way. But it's really interesting if, if she has a relationship with that executive and he understands uh, her as well as he understands the other gentleman whom he has no problem with coming in late, then it's probably not a problem at all. But that's just yeah, one of the very subtle right. nuances, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And for the most part, because women are focused on, on their to-do list yes. and uh, uh, their, their performance... They don't understand the value that they bring to their business, um, how they, you know, what I call their value proposition, and specifically how they contribute to positive business outcomes, what their role is in that. Um, And when you don't understand it yourself, you can't possibly articulate it or demonstrate it in the workplace.
2: Bonnie Marcus is my guest. He's the author of The Politics of Promotion on Twitter at, at self promote. You talk about the four stages of political savvy in your book. I found that to be compelling. Tell me more about that and share that with our audience.
0: Well, uh, actually, it, it, the stages are really based on research done by Lisa Maniero, um, and it was a, quite a few years ago. I think it was in the 80s. She interviewed 55 top women executives across different, mostly male-dominated industries and asked them, you know, what they did to become politically savvy. And they were going, and they went, huh? We don't engage in politics here. But over the course of the interviews, she actually found out that women didn't um, call it that they were, you know, call it being political, but they did gain some savvy over time. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be helpful for the readers of the book and for certainly for my clients, et cetera, to understand where they were in in that process, in that development process. And it begins with, um, you know, I call naive Nancy. I mean, it begins with when you're totally focused on the work and you have no idea that they're politics. And, you know, we've all been there. Or you are totally unaware of the politics. So you may take on, um, you know, you may take on another uh, job at a new company, and then, you know, you start all over again. You, you're not aware of of the politics, and you're still focused on your work. So that's where you're basically in your cubicle, in your office, you know, just doing that work. And then you move into what I call great work Greta, which is – now I'm going to be a star, I'm going to be a rock star, I'm going to really focus on my work and do the best, best possible um, work, but I, I'm beginning to understand that I should network a little bit, I don't necessarily know how to do it in a strategic way, um, I'm getting an idea of, of what those workplace dynamics are, um, and... I'm learning as I move into stage three that I need to be a lot more strategic about my career. Uh, Possibly something's happened like, you know, my experience where I I was blown out of the water by the politics. But now I know that I need to be more strategic about setting a career path, about um, understanding how to build a network to support my career goal, and possibly seeking mentors or sponsors at that point. And then the final stage um, is when you've reached political savvy, and you're probably in an executive level position, and now you're in the position to um, to mentor and sponsor other people, uh, but still need to be very aware of the politics because as you get the higher you get in the organization, the more competitive it is, um, and so you still need to do all of that and pay attention to that. But you've reached the point where you really do know the importance of understanding the politics and working with the politics to advance what, whatever your initiatives are in the company.
2: We're talking with Bonnie Marcus. Bonnie, we're going to take a time out. We'll come back on the other side of the break. And I want you to share the tools that you lay out in your book in dealing with the politics of the workforce. Uh, Bonnie Marcus, you'll find her online at Women's Success Coaching. And her book is The Politics of Promotion. And, I again, I go back to the fact that you talk about influence and building relationships and just being politically savvy in the understanding of, of how to create those circles of influence. She gives us four great tools, folks. We'll come back on the other side of the break. We'll talk about those next week, by the way. You'll want to join us. Kurt Steinhorst will be my guest, and it should be a fantastic show as well. He's a distraction expert. He'll talk about the ADD workforce in the constant state of distraction in the workforce. wonder if that has any application, Bonnie. We'll come back on the other side. Stay with us. This is Kelly Riggs on
1: BizLocker Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-one management, what every great manager knows that you don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com. Listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joke All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
2: This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you back on Biz Locker Radio 335. We'll take our next time out after the break, uh, Mr. Stephen Gaffney, friend of the show, will join us. We'll talk more about communication and politics, continue the theme through the show. Our guest early on is Bonnie Marcus. As I've mentioned, she is the author of The Politics of Promotion. And inside your book, you, you talk about four specific tools, Bonnie, that you when you're talking with your clients and you're coaching people, you have four tools that you suggest that people need to sort of uh, navigate the political waters of the workplace. You talk about the mirror, the magnifying glass, and then a couple of things. Uh, I I love the labels you put on them. The pass, go and collect $200 card, (laughs) and the the get out of jail free card. So tell us a little bit. I'm probably going to interrupt a little bit as we go for some clarification, but start talking about those four tools.
0: Okay. Well, the mirror is for uh, savvy self-promotion. So the mirror in your, what I call your political toolkit, helps you to do the inner work that's necessary for authentic self-promotion. So it's important, you know, to take the time to reflect and understand what that value proposition is. And that is, as I said before, that's the way you deliver the work for successful business outcomes. Um, once you understand your value proposition, that gives you a lot of confidence to communicate your achievements. And it also enables you to see the direct relationship between your work and specific business outcomes. It helps you to position yourself across the organization as someone who can help others achieve their goals. And that's the way I I suggest that you promote yourself Authentically is when you understand how you can add value and then you understand what other people want and need, you can position yourself as somebody who can help them to achieve whatever their goals are.
2: You know your background as a salesperson—it really becomes evident. As I, yeah, as, as I was reading the book, I said, oh, "This is a sales book." You know, she's talking about value proposition and and uh, creating relationships with you know the customers are just internal, uh, but it's but it's the same idea. I have to know what I bring to the table. I have to add value to every sales call. I have to create relationships. Uh, you sound very much like a sales. Yeah, it's all sales.
0: And. So many people think self-promotion is, oh, I've got to memorize this pitch, you know, I've got to beat a drum, I've got to talk about how wonderful I am, and really, it's, you know, it's understanding how you contribute, first and foremost, and then really taking the time to understand what other people want and need, and that's how you can create visibility for yourself across the organization. That's how I help my clients is uh, who in the organization do you want to connect with, what do they want and need, and then position yourself as someone who can help them.
2: Yeah, you know, as a guy who works inside of organizations on the sales side and the leadership side, I'm, o- I'm often asking uh, leaders, what would your company be like if all of your people treated their internal customers like mm. salespeople <laughs> treat customers, right? Mm. Now, we, we put up with a lot with customers because they're customers and they pay the bills, but we don't tend to have those kind of ideas internally. It's, it's almost like we're designed to fight with each other internally because we're family or whatever, but it, it's if an you're interesting... talking
0: about how to build um, mutually beneficial relationships, if you're, try, if you're talking about how to build influence in your organization... That's how you do it. That's That's exactly how you you do it. Those relationships.
2: All right, so Um, the magnifying glass, tell me about that.
0: The magnifying glass, I chose the magnifying glass because it helps you focus on what's going on in the workplace and it reminds you that you need to focus every day. So, questions to ask like who has the power and influence and how are decisions made and who are the decision makers and who influences those decisions. Because it really takes focus and intention to understand all of this. And it takes a commitment to observe the constant shifts in power, right? Mm-hmm. So everything's constantly changing, and what works in one department or with one boss doesn't necessarily work with the next one. But when you are, um, when you are aware and focused on what those dynamics are, it really helps you not only position yourself, but navigate.
2: Tell me, I'm I'm thinking about this as you're going along, tell me, if I was going to share something very practical with the audience, when you talk about self-promotion and then focusing on what is going on, the first thing that came to mind was the story I was telling you earlier about the individual who didn't like someone coming in late but gave someone else a pass because, quote, unquote, they they knew they got their work done. You know, I I look at it from the employee side and say, you know, if I really know what's going on, even though I may not think it's fair for that person to have a different opinion of of me arriving late, what I would do then, if I I think if I was politically savvy, is I would begin to cultivate a relationship with that person. Oh, absolutely. and, And I would start coming in earlier just to sort of lower that barrier while I was helping to create that relationship. Is that, is that a pretty fair way to go about it?
0: It is. You know, I, building the relationship is key. So why are you coming in at 930? I mean, there, there probably is a reason, and uh, that needs to be communicated. You know, it's not just that you're staying in bed and having breakfast in bed. There might be a reason you're coming in at 930, Um but also making sure that your boss understands all the, the work that you're doing. So here's a practical tip that I give a lot of my clients. Um, prepare a weekly status report and send that off to you, whether or not you meet with your boss um, one-on-one or you have an in, in-person or on a conference call. Go through and decide what are the key things that I need to report on that, that this person needs to know what I've accomplished this week? What are, what are some of my ongoing challenges? And that information is extremely valuable because that person then knows exactly what you've achieved that week and, and what you're working on. And it actually helps them to do your performance review at the end of the year because they've got it right there.
2: Absolutely. That's great politics.
0: Yeah. So do that and be proactive about that and um, let that be the agenda for your meeting with your boss. You know, there's such a thing as managing up.
2: Bonnie's brand new book will be out on March the 23rd, but you can go on Amazon and pre-order it and have it ready to go. And I was fortunate enough to look at a pre-release copy and, and, and really enjoyed it. That's the first two pieces of the four tools that you put in the toolkit. The third one is called the Pass, Go, and Collect $200 card. You're going to have to help us with that one.
0: Well, we all know Monopoly, right? The Pass, Go card helps you advance faster and collect more money. (laughs) So, that's the way I look at strategic networking. Um, You know, research really supports the fact that the same benefits are associated with strategic networking that it leads to higher income and bonuses and faster promotions. So you should start with your career goal, and who do you know and who do you need to know inside and outside the organization to help you reach that goal? And then build connections and relationships with the right people. And the right people are people who will speak for you and recommend you for promotions and high-profile assignments, so women especially are challenged here because our comfort level is to stay with people that we know and like. Um, men are much better than this. The more diverse your network, the stronger that network is, and the more likely you are to get promoted and get higher, higher bonuses and salaries.
2: Well, you, you share an interesting story in the book. You talk about uh, one of your clients, I believe it was, that uh, was doing very well in an organization, respected for her work. Uh, Her boss treated her fairly and equitably, but there was... An off-campus event, you call it, in which they went fishing, and uh, mm-hmm. he invited—he invites all the guys, and she wasn't invited. And then when she asked him about it, "If you knew that I enjoyed fishing, would you have invited me?" He said, "Nah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it just—it's not a, a good fit." How does a how does a woman in particular? I mean, I can see the application for men too, but how does a woman in particular do this networking process, Bonnie, without it looking contrived or or, or staged or underhanded, even?
0: Uh, well, I don't know how it could look underhanded because really you're you're building relationships and you're getting to know people, and you know from sales and any of the, your listeners who are salespeople know that the the best thing you can do is listen and ask open-ended questions. And when you show a real interest in people, um, they do open up, and they you know it, it's the beginning of finding some commonality and and building relationships. You don't have to you know, go to the poker games or play golf, uh, to be able to build those relationships. You can do it at work. You can grab a coffee. You can grab lunch. Um, you know, you can do it over Skype. You don't need to be be a part of that if if you don't have the time or the inclination or you're excluded hmm. Yeah,
2: I, I found the one with the fishing trip to be kind of interesting because what it sounded to me like if I interpreted the book right is here's a, a group of guys that just like being together as guys. And it wasn't that they had any bias towards the woman. It was just kind of be uncomfortable to have one woman there. At least that was their thought process. And I so I tried to turn it around. Well, if I worked with five other ladies and they were doing something that might be considered more along the lines of uh, a female activity. And and I'm not suggesting that females don't do male activities at all. I'm just saying if Mm -hmm. that was the case, would I feel comfortable? And and I I don't know that I would. So it's kind of a tough position for a lady. She might feel comfortable, but they might not. How do you counsel her?
0: (laughs) Well, um, I I think that the important thing to look at is building relationships one-on-one. Uh,
2: very good. So just coming at it from a different perspective and not getting yeah, focused I mean, on that. I the other
0: story that's in the book, and it's actually the same client, former client, was um, she challenged one of the uh, traders she worked at, at um, on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like that, and he cut her out completely of his business and never never went back to her. But her network was so strong, and she had a great relationship with this guy's boss. And so in the end, it didn't necessarily damage her. You know, he found her boss was her ally and helped her to reestablish herself and move to another department. So I can't stress the importance of really strong relationships where people understand your value and will speak for you.
2: Very good. So about 90 seconds left in this segment. The last thing in your toolbox is the get out of jail free card. What is that?
0: That's the fastest way to advance, and that is if you have a sponsor. The difference between a mentor and a sponsor is a mentor gives you advice, a sponsor gives advice but also takes action on your behalf. And they're usually about two levels above you. They're they're somebody who has a great deal of power and influence in the organization. They understand your value proposition. They understand that you are a high-potential employee. And um, they can help you advance faster because they clear the way. They absolutely clear the way, open doors for you, get you on, you know, on the radar screen.
2: Outstanding. Hey, great stuff, Bonnie. And let me encourage you folks, find the book when it comes out again. It's available for pre-order on Amazon. Comes out March the 23rd. It is called The Politics of Promotion how high-achieving women get ahead and stay ahead. And you may be thinking, ah, it's a book for women. No, it, it really is not, especially if you're in sales. You're going to find a lot of application on the internal politics and how to shape your career to be successful. And if you are a lady and you're listening, this is a book you absolutely have to have. Bonnie, great to have you with us. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thanks, Kelly. It was a pleasure. You bet. Super
2: practical tips from Bonnie Marcus. Follow her on Twitter at self-promote. We'll take our final timeout. We'll come back on the other side of the break. Mr. Stephen Gaffney will join me. We'll talk more about politics. We'll talk about the communication that goes on inside of an organization and how it impacts politics. Stay with us. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to Biz Locker Radio.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The bottom line in business.
2: Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the Business Locker Room. Hey, welcome back to the Business Locker Room. It's Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board Find us online at bizlockerradio.com. You can always follow me on Twitter. Love to have you at Kelly Riggs. And as I mentioned uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to give you free books. We've got some great business books to give away by John Spence, Awesomely Simple. Be Bold and Win the Sale by Jeff Shore. Agile Selling, one of the very awesome sales books that are out there. Brand new from Jill Conrath. David Newman's brand new marketing book, Do It Marketing. You can get those free from me from the show. All you have to do is find us on iTunes, Business Locker Room, find us online, do a rating and review, and when you're done, send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com, and I'll give you a choice of books. Send it to you free. No shipping, no anything. We're going to give you a book. What we want you to do is find the show, tell other people about it so we can continue to grow the show. My next guest is Stephen Gaffney. He's a friend of the show. Been on a couple of times. Stephen, great to have you on board. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really well. Interesting topic here, uh, introduced by Bonnie Marcus. Uh, we're talking about politics, and uh, I really like the way she comes at it. You know, politics has such a negative connotation, Stephen, inside of the, the workplace. Typically, it means something sort of underhanding or underhanded or contrived or something like that. And she's just coming at it as you need to understand what you bring to the table understand your value proposition, cultivate relationships, network, those kinds of things. Sounds, sounds simple, but, uh, there's a lot to it, isn't there?
3: There is. And I, my overall advice on what to do with politics is just ignore it, just ignore it and produce results. You know, I was, I just had a meeting with a CEO and you know, his big, Beef, which is often a leader's big beef, is about folks need to produce results. So the best way to excel in your job is know what you need to do and do your job. You know, even when we look at sales, it's like when we want to sell a client, what the, our client wants, our potential client, and you know, when they become our clients, is they want us to produce results. We get all caught up in the politics and trying to understand things, and the reality is we're unlikely to understand all the politics. And so my overall advice is to ignore it and produce results.
2: On the other hand, you can be one of those guys, and uh, I would talk from first-hand experience here. You can be one of those guys that produces results, and if you if you don't build those relationships internally, when it comes to moving up the ladder over time, you can run out of gas if you're not connected, if you don't have that influence, if people don't understand the value you bring to the table, uh, and call it what you will, politics or whatever. I mean, I'm with you. Avoiding politics is uh, to me the better part of valor, but. At the same time, if you're not connected, it's many times it's not what you know.
3: It's well, who here's you know. My comeback to that, though, Kelly, is it, in order for us to produce results, we need people. So we have to be sensible. We have to treat people well. And, yes, we can produce results on the short end and maybe not treat people well, but eventually it's going to catch up to us. So if we're producing results on the long-term, consistent basis, chances are we are absolutely treating people well. Now, somebody might be listening and say, I know somebody who's producing results, and they're a jerk. Well, my comeback to that is there's exceptions to every rule in life, but you don't run your life by the exceptions in life. You run your life by the rules of life, and fundamentally, what we need to focus on is producing results.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, I think the challenge is is I I know you, and I know a a little bit about you, the kind of person you are. I mean, you're a good guy, and I know that uh, you, you have a number of women that work around you, and you don't have any of that gender bias, but... Uh, not everybody is like you. You know, there, there are some folks out there that when it all comes down to, you know, I mean, the hiring process, if it comes down to three people, uh, we typically are going to hire the guy we have the relationship with. Typically, you know, all things being equal, they all produce. And maybe that's the idea of politics is uh, if we're all three equally good performers, how does one get the nod over the other? Uh, it's typically the same way a salesperson gets the nod. They have a better relationship.
3: Well, obviously, relationships are key, but again, my point is that it actually is key to producing results is to have good relationships.
1: Yeah, in fact,
3: you know, Before our time is out, I want to make sure there's actually two points I want to make. The first point we've already made and three assumptions that I want to give people so that they can actually improve their life, produce the sales they want, and make things happen, whether it's a promotion or leading a company or whatever you'd like to do in your life.
2: Yeah, if, listen, if you're a salesperson and you're listening in, get your uh, notebook out. Mr. Gaffney's getting ready to get on a roll with us. Uh, Steve, go ahead. I'm going to turn it over to you. So get, tell us the, the two points and the three assumptions.
3: So first of all, back to you know ignoring the politics and producing results. The key thing here is do we know what... The, our boss or our client really wants us to do. You know, Fundamentally, when we're looking at a particular job, what's the objective we're trying to accomplish? Whenever I'm working with a client, my first question is, what's the objective you want us to accomplish? Second is, what's the measures of success? And third is, what's the value and impact you'd like us to produce? That fundamentally helps me understand where that where where that person's headspace is at. So it's about producing results. Second point is stay above the fray. Don't get caught into the drama. Remember, drama drags, high road propels. Drama drags and high road propels. What I mean by that is don't get caught up in all the negativity. If somebody starts slamming somebody else in the company or says something negative, you could say, oh, that's interesting. Or you could say, I understand. But don't add into it and try to get out of that type of conversation because if you stay in that conversation, you run the potential of being pulled into that negativity, and then you may be associated with that drama, which is deadly in an organization.
2: You know, go back to the three questions you talk about when you ask your clients. These, I mean, these are three great questions, and I can see any employee who reports to somebody up the line, no matter how high up the ladder they go until they're reporting to the CEO, that's three really great questions to answer for anybody internally. Share those with us again.
3: Sure, I, and I actually learned this from Alan Weiss, and for those of uh, folks who may not be familiar with Alan Weiss's work, I would look him up. He's a fantastic uh, consultant advisor and he's a great mentor to me and so the first question he taught me is whenever you're working with a client but it applies with your job is what's the objective what are we trying to accomplish second measures of success is how are you going to judge that those objectives were accomplished you know i was just meeting with someone who wanted us to work with their leadership team and he said i'd like everybody to have better relationships and i asked him well how would you judge that there were better relationships in your company And he paused and he thought, you know, that's a good question. What are the indicators of success? How am I going to know that's going to get accomplished? And in my book, Honesty Works, there's a chapter in there about how to discover what people really are trying to tell us, but they may not always say it. And so for the listeners who would like that, I'll send you that chapter out of my book, Honesty Works for Free. So I'll send them to, and that's a way to discover what somebody really wants. But bottom line is, you've got to find out what are the measures of success. And the third question you want to ask is, what's the value? What's the impact? You know, if you think about it, what... When somebody hires us, they want—they have the objective, hopefully, they have their measures of success through our coaching, but they also have the value and impact that they want us to produce. And sometimes it's as much as, you know, it's as easy as increased revenue and profits, but sometimes it might be visibility. Whatever it is, what's the value and impact they overall expect from us? And those are the three questions that I found are extremely valuable to ask.
2: Yeah, I, I think those are critical, Stephen. So many times when working with executive teams or management groups, yeah, I will ask them, how does that person that works for them, whomever we may be discussing, how does that person know if they're doing a good job? Who say, well, I, I I just know. Well, I don't care if you know as much as I care if they know, because if if an employee doesn't know what constitutes good work and they can't figure that out on their own, you really leave them all out on an island. And there's there are a lot of assumptions that get made at that point, isn't there?
3: Absolutely. In fact, I'm a trusted advisor to a lot of top executives and we get dropped into doing 360s. You know, we have a special way of doing it because one of the things that we need to find out whenever I'm working with someone and trying to help them improve their career and we're doing a 360, you know, in other words, we're we're interviewing other people about that person. The most important question to ask that to the most important question to ask another person about someone is what needs to happen such that you would judge that they were successful. What are the needle movers? Essentially, what are you looking for that's going to judge, that you're going to judge that person was successful in improving that activity? And, do you know, Kelly, that's one of the hardest questions for people to answer because they'll say, well, that person needs to have a better relationship with people. That person needs to collaborate better. They need to be proactive. But when I ask them, how are you going to judge that that person is proactive, that's where they get stumped. And Here's the problem. If you don't find out those answers to those questions, then that person who you're coaching, trying to help, is going to be spinning their wheels because they're not exactly sure what they need to do. Yes, they can get the concept of being proactive. Yes, they can get the concept of being collaborative, but the question is, what do they exactly need to do? What are the behaviors they need to do such that other people will say, you know what, they improved in that category?
2: You know, it's one of the worst habits that are out there in terms of performance reviews, asking people to work on specific competencies without giving them any idea what their specific activities or behaviors or even their metrics are. And that just leads to nothing but frustration. And, and, and you see it over and over again, Stephen. And that's, To me, that's one of the very simple ways that managers can really move the needle in terms of leadership is that level of communication with their employees.
3: You're so right, Kelly, because... When we're coaching somebody, when we're giving advice to an employee, we have to tell them exactly what we, how we're going to judge that they were successful. You know, saying to an employee, look, you just have to do a better job on this. What does that mean? You have to improve your customer relationships. What does that mean? You need to kind of take a stand for yourself and be a little bit more aggressive. What does that mean? Or you need to pull back and not be so aggressive. What does that actually mean? And so unfortunately, that person who's hearing that, and you know, my specialty is all about communication. The, the, the big problem is when people receive that kind of vague feedback, they unfortunately, Kelly, think they know what that person means, but often therein lies the problem. They misinterpret that feedback, and let's say somebody who's being coached to be um, uh, not so aggressive might pull back to the point where they might be indecisive and passive that could also be really hurtful in their career. I'm often brought into situations that have been messed up by other coaches, other trusted advisors, so because... The person I'm working with has overcorrected for their strength. So uh, again, you know, maybe they actually are particularly persistent. And somebody says we shouldn't be so persistent. So they become too passive. They overcorrect, and that's because we fundamentally don't look at what are the behaviors in which we're going to judge our and other people's success.
2: He's Stephen Gaffney, a frequent guest here on BizLocker Radio. Find him at Stephen Gaffney. Dot com i certainly follow him on twitter at Stephen underscore gaffney several great books out his most recent be a change champion you'll want to find that one but he is an expert on communications by the way next week just want to give you the heads up next week great show coming with a gentleman by the name of kurt steinhorst i suspect you may not have heard of him but he's a distraction expert he talks about the add workforce had a chance to meet him in san diego compelling guy great great message want to encourage you to be with us here on BizLocker Radio next week. Stephen, you had three assumptions as well uh, that you wanted to share. Great, uh, extremely good advice to this point. What else follows? What are these assumptions that you're talking about?
3: So if, when it comes back to politics, when it comes back to issues, if we are going to choose to engage, because, of grant, my first point is to ignore it and produce results. And I don't mean to be ignorant of what's our surroundings, but the bottom line is to focus on the job that needs to get done. Second point is to stay above the fray. Don't get dragged into the negativity. Third is to make three assumptions whenever you are engaging with other people. First, assume that whatever somebody's telling you is not the full story. Now, it isn't necessarily that they're trying to be deceiving. It's just that people often don't think through things, so their initial feedback may not be the real issue. Kelly, have you ever had somebody in your life who says, who you can't seemingly make happy? You know, so they, they tell you, well, I'd be happy, Kelly, if you did this, or I'd be happy if you did that. And so you actually jump through hoops and try to do those things. And it doesn't seem to really move the needle. And eventually what you think, you know what, something else is going on. So I have found that if you assume that there's more to the story, you won't get caught up in the initial feedback, like especially if they use the wrong tone or might be even slightly insulting. You'll just say, listen, tell me more, and you'll hear and eventually hear the real issue. Where I learned this is because I do so much work in the defense and military and intel world, and where I learned this was from them, actually, that in the intel world, we know not to pay attention too much to the first information reports, we know that the there's probably more things coming, and ultimately, there are going to be things that may be conflicting. So we actually have to listen more and find out what's really going on. Well, the same applies to people. So if you assume that there's more going on than what they're telling you, and I don't mean in a manipulative way, but I mean there's more to what's going on inside of them, we won't get caught up to their initial feedback, and we'll ask good probing questions, which really helps us connect with that other person.
2: Well, it's not hard to figure out why you have so much business in the marketplace, because clearly the, the single biggest issue, at least in my experience, of all the companies that I've worked with in 10 years is communication. And it, and it just seems like that people substitute everything for real dialogue, real communication, Stephen. They're, they're not asking those questions. They're not probing deeper. Even worse, they're typically not assuming the best. Most people are sort of assuming the worst or, or they, they suspect uh, you, you know, the motives are not, are not pure and that, that kind of thing. How, how do you, I know this? this is your area of expertise, honest communication. How do you move people in a highly politicized environment? How do you move them into more honest and open communication?
3: Well, the big problem is not what people say. It's actually what they don't say to each other. And so the key is to get that unsaid said. Because if you think about it, Kelly, you can't fix a problem that nobody tells you about. And you can't use an idea that somebody, has, that somebody doesn't tell you. In fact, some of the reasons why we're able to work so effectively with companies and have them be much more innovative is because what I share with executives is your employees are innovative. The question is, are you hearing those innovations? So if they don't share those ideas, you can't take advantage of those ideas. So the key is to get that unsaid said. The best way to get that unsaid said is to make people feel safe, safe to take chances, reasonable chances, that is, safe to share the information that needs to get shared, safe to to share the difficult information, and also safe to share even crazy ideas. Because what if that crazy idea could be a brilliant idea with the right modifications. So the big problem is not what people say, it's actually what they don't say to each other. So they so that is why the key is to get that unsaid said.
2: I here here's the challenge I find with that is I work for that boss that is uh, short on communication. He, he does not share a lot of things with me. Uh, he's terse. He's to the point. I'm trying to create that dialogue, Stephen, and it's really not happening. How do you, is there a way to manage up, is there a way to encourage the a more open, honest communication to create that safety with a boss?
3: Absolutely. The key is to remember, remember Columbo the detective. Remember Columbo years ago, and uh, he, and for those who may not remember, Columbo, uh, Peter Falk played a trench coat detective, and he never assumed somebody was the murderer. He never made an accusation. He would basically present the facts that were conflicting, and then he would ask a question. So the way, easiest way to deal with this, Kelly, and there's a lot of other strategies that I coach people to do, but one of the easiest ways is to uh, remember Columbo. So it would be like so. One way you could handle this is. Um, I notice that you want me to hit these goals, and I notice I've sent you a couple of emails and i and i' and I'm trying to get some important information and I notice i haven't heard back is everything okay? Is there some way we could talk about this? Is there a better time for us to have the conversation? So what you're doing is you're presenting the facts that are conflicting, because, Kelly, it is conflicting, right? We, right? Our boss wants us to do a great job, and yet we're not hearing the necessary information. We have to present that in a non-accusatory way and then ask them. And one of the best questions we can ask someone that um, reduces the defensiveness is, what can I do better? Is there something I could do better so I could so we could meet and have a more effective meeting? Is there a way I could present the data better? Is there a way I could ask better questions? So if you put the onus on yourself, it's a way to bring up the issue. So use Columbo and ask the questions in a non-defensive and non-accusatory way.
2: Great advice from Stephen Gaffney. Find him online at stephengaffney.com. Not hard for you to figure out if you're listening why I asked Stephen to be one of the expert coaches here in the business locker room and join me on a regular basis. Talking communication in the workplace. Good stuff, Stephen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you for having me, Kelly.
2: Oh, anytime. Stephen Gaffney, and again, he is one of the coaches in the locker room. Next week, his blog post will come out and you'll want to to be subscribed to the Business Locker Room. Eight world-class coaches sharing all kinds of world-class business techniques and tricks and information and tips, and however you want to say it, it's just fabulous content, and that's the kind of show we try to put together for you right here on Biz Locker Radio. It is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to help your business get started today. Well, we missed Miles Austin in the X's No" segment. Again, he's out sick, should be back next week. Many thanks to 4D Sales for their sponsorship of our show. Go back two weeks, show number 40, and you'll find about a 20-minute exposition of 4D Sales and everything that that product brings to the table. Both Miles and I are big, big fans. That's going to do it for our show today. Thanks to Bonnie Marcus for joining us and her book, The Politics of Promotion. Stephen Gaffney on board as well. Always great to have Stephen here and talk communication in the workplace. Make sure you join us next week. Kurt Steinhorst will be our guest, and we'll talk about the ADD workforce and the cost of technology. I'm Kelly Riggs. Find me online at bizlockerroom.com. We'll see you next week right here on Biz Locker Radio.